Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. This week we're reviewing Stella Park's Sunny Lemon Bars and introducing a tropical delight, coconut tapioca pudding with mango and lime. We'll also share some fun kitchen hacks and talk about the many ways to juice a lemon without getting an eyeful of juice. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, I am so excited. First of all, I'm wearing my lemon sweater, oh. so I'm appropriately dressed for the episode. Perfectly dressed for Citrus Month. I love it. And second, just in time for Citrus Month, Harry, Prince Harry that is, and his fiancée, Miss Meghan Markle, have announced their choice of wedding cake. And yes, it is a lemon elderflower cake. How is the news on that side of the Atlantic? This news is very exciting yes. over here as well. I am not kidding when I tell you it was on my local news this morning. Oh People are so excited. Now, a question I have for you, obviously, I know what lemon is. Is elderflower something that is more British? And is that what you served me when I visited you as kind of a cordial? Indeed, yes. Elderflower, yes. Okay. you remember. <laughs> Elderflower is such a huge, huge flavor here, and it's really not something I had any experience with, I think, in the States. I, I don't know that I ever had it. I don't think I've ever heard of it. This is my first time. I mean, until you introduced it to me way back in October, I had never heard of it. So an elderflower is kind of an airy-looking bush, and you you harvest the the flower part of it. It looks kind of like a Queen Anne's lace. I don't know if you know what that flower looks like, but just mm -hmm. a really delicate, light-looking flower. And you can make homemade cordial. Many people do. You soak those flower heads in some kind of alcohol. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, or you can just soak it in maybe a, a a water mixture like you're making a thick syrup like a sugar syrup okay and I thought too that the word cordial meant alcohol but it doesn't it's just kind of that sweet syrupy taste oh that's good to know I I thought it meant alcohol as well kind of like another word for sherry or something exactly maybe it does maybe it can but you see that all the time there's there's in fact elderflower in all kinds of beverages in all kinds of mocktails in it's everywhere and my daughter especially has dearly fallen in love with it so she's very excited about this cake and it seems very very British so it's a very well done choice. Oh, I'm so excited and I just love their selection of the baker so Claire Patak who runs the Violet Bakery she is originally from California and she trained at Chez Panisse and then she went over to London and she worked as a food stylist for Jamie and Nigella which, thanks to you, I know who both of those people are. And here at Preheated, of course, we're on a first-name basis with Jamie Oliver and of Nigella course. Lawson. Yes, <laughs> of course we are. And then she started her food stall at, I believe it was called the Broadway Market. It was one of the markets. Uh -huh. And um, she quickly learned that those fresh 
fruit-forward desserts that she was so used to making from Chez Panisse were not what you guys wanted in London. And she said people kept asking her for something like an Eccles cake. Now, do you know what an Eccles cake is? I dearly love an Eccles cake. It's almost like a mincemeat type of cake. It's very heavy, very dense. Yes, love Yeah, so she's really changed how she bakes. I learned all of this about her from um, Christopher Kimball, his lovely podcast, The Milk Milk Street Radio. She was a guest on episode 102, The Baking Revolution. So it's really fun to listen to. I highly recommend it. I am most excited by the fact that the article announcing the cake says the centerpiece will be covered with buttercream and decorated with fresh flowers. So, Stefan, (laughs) I just knew Harry and Meghan were team buttercream. Just seems like they would be. Yes. Uh, Yes. I love that it really, they obviously did their homework here. They're using a chef from the States. They're using lemon, you know, and this elderflower, very British. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be just a beautiful, very springtime, beautiful wedding cake. I really, I wholeheartedly support this decision. Well, I just am so excited about the royal wedding, and this is just one other thing to add to our list of things that I think we're going to try and explore, yes? So true. So listeners, hold on tight, because May is going to be all about royal desserts. What's the queen's favorite cake? (laughs) What can we do to recreate our own lemon elderflower cake? So that's going to be a lot of fun coming up in May. Yes, I cannot wait until that. Well, this week we had the distinct pleasure of having as our bake along the sunny lemon bars from Stella Parks, the Brave Tart author. And this was a little bit of a different variation on a lemon bar than I had made in the past. It's a very, uh, very straightforward crust with flour, sugar, salt, a little bit of lemon zest and butter, almost as I was making it, thinking about a pie crust, but without any kind of liquid in there. Yeah. And then a very, very eggy custard. In fact, when we introduced this recipe back uh, last episode in episode 70, Andrea, you said, it did give me pause that there's basically a dozen eggs here in this recipe. (laughs) Right. But what those eggs are doing is thickening the custard. This doesn't have any corn flour, cornstarch, or flour, anything else you might thicken a custard with. You're solely relying on those egg yolks. Then you also have your sugar, salt, lemon zest, quite a bit of lemon zest, quite a bit of lemon juice, and you can top it with some powdered sugar if you like. Andrea, I had a huge success with the taste of these lemon bars. I would give them an A plus on taste, but I had some issues with the texture, so I really wanted to hear how it turned out for you and then also talk through what might have happened with mine. Ooh, okay, interesting. I liked the taste as well. I thought they were fabulous. I like lemon bars that are really tart, and these definitely delivered. Yes. I have to say my daughter did not like them. She took two bites and handed it back to me and said, nope. So I think for the kid palate, if you have a kid that likes lemon bars, which mine does, this particular recipe is a little too sharp. It was very strong lemon flavor. Although I have two children who eat lemons almost like an apple. So they Mm -hmm. loved the flavor as well. Okay. Okay. So probably just depending on the kid then. I found the crust really good. I loved that. I liked the custard taste, as I mentioned. I found the texture of the custard a little bit gelatinous. Yep. And I guess my biggest problem is for garnishing, you sprinkle the powdered sugar over the top of these lemon bars. And no matter what I did, the minute I sprinkled 
it immediately absorbed into the lemon bar. And I would sprinkle again, and it would absorb in. So I couldn't get that traditional lemon bar look that I wanted, where you can actually see the powdered sugar on top. Almost a layered look. Yes. Right. And I don't know if I got a heads up from you or if I'd read the comments, but I just I just didn't even try the, the powdered sugar at, at all. Oh, okay. You just skipped that. Yes. And, that you know, they sense. were so beautiful. So here's what, you know, mm-hmm. eight egg yolks will do for you. These were the most right. vibrant, beautiful, dark, dark yellow, almost hint, hinting on orange. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful color. They were so cheerful. That custard was so tart, so lovely. But mine, gelatinous is a good word. I just couldn't get mine to thicken up. And it did. It wasn't like sliding off the plate, but it was definitely wobbly, which is very different than a very firm type of lemon bar that I've made and Mm -hmm. eaten in the past. So I wanted to transport it to a friend's house for dinner, and I made the mistake of cutting them in advance. And Mm. it just, they just kind of went gloppy in my container. They still tasted very good, but the presentation was, was horrible. Oh, darn it. Oh, I hate that. I know that cornstarch is not part of this recipe, but I was wondering if maybe I should throw in a little just for a little firmer texture. I would have liked that. I don't think that would hurt. I I wonder, there's one thing that I made a mistake on, and I wonder if it actually ended up helping me in this arena. In the custard instructions, after you have heated your custard and cooked it and stirred it until it's thickened up about eight minutes, you're supposed to strain it into the crust through a sieve, which I had the sieve out. I was ready to do it, and who knows what happened, but I just poured it directly onto the crust. And I remember thinking as I was doing it, oh, no, it's going to be lumpy. It's, you know, it's going to have chunks in it. I didn't use the strainer. I've screwed this up. Right. And it was fine. There were no lumps. There were no chunks. And when I sliced mine up, it held together so yeah and I did strain mine but I didn't get anything you know when you do that you're looking to get out maybe a bit of egg or or some kind of lump and usually you will have something kind of left behind and you're very glad that you had strained it but mine went all the way through so it was very silky very very smooth it also says to boil it for about eight minutes to thicken I boiled it for 11 it still wasn't what I would consider like a thick enough texture so I kind of just called it at 12 minutes okay you know could be down to the eggs I'm using sure one thought I had is that at some point she says that you need the large eggs to be cold but she doesn't say the same thing about the egg yolks well my eggs here in England are always shelf stable so I had to put three for the whole eggs back into the fridge and chill them but I didn't do that with the yolks and maybe I should have done them with all the eggs she doesn't Mm. specify Yes, because mine obviously were all cold. Yes. I didn't I didn't let the eight come to room temperature. I used them straight out of the fridge. Oh, okay. Could well be maybe that. that was it. Could be that. Yeah. And mine did take about eight minutes and I was using a thermometer and it got up to one seventy quite nicely. So okay. Okay. Well I would definitely do these again because I thought the taste was phenomenal. Based on taste alone, these are the my front runner for my blue ribbon of the season. I mean, I just thought it was <gasps> phenomenal. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I would do these again as well. And I actually did a little bit of extra research. And by that, I mean, I was traveling in Eugene, Oregon, and I hit four of their local bakeries. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Of which... 
Two had lemon bars, and I want to tell you about those because I thought, well, this will be fun. I've just made this recipe. And again, the only reason I was kind of hesitating on whether or not this was going to become like a go-to recipe of mine was because of the fact that it uses a dozen eggs. I mean, that's just just not how I normally bake. So I went to a bakery called Metropole. I went to a bakery called Noisette. I went to the Sweet Life Patisserie, and I went to a place called Cookies Cookies. (laughs) Both uh, Metropole and Sweet Life had a lemon bar. Now, Metropole, the lemon bar was, I would say, a very traditional lemon bar. And as I put it in my mouth, I could smell the egg as it was going into my mouth. And that was a little off-putting for me. And I, I thought, oh, that's interesting because our Stella Parks recipe had so much egg, and yet I didn't smell egg at all. No, nor did I. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. Um, and then, but my winner and something I would love to try and recreate, I don't know what recipe they're using, but the lemon bar sold at the Sweet Life Patisserie was one of the best lemon bars I've ever had in my life. And here is why I think the crust to custard to powdered sugar ratio was completely off. (laughs) So I would say the crust and the powdered sugar layer were equal sizes. And so, for example, if you took a deep breath in while you were near that lemon bar, you were going to choke because there was so much powdered sugar on top of it. I mean, there was just a thick, thick layer. The custard layer was actually about half the size of the crust layer and the powdered sugar layer. So it was very thin. Very thin. And I think for me, I just sort of liked that combination. The other thing that they did is I thought lemon bars were always served in what I would call a two-by-two square. I mean, that's just the traditional Mm -hmm. size. Mm -hmm. I've always seen them. And in fact, I think some people call them lemon squares because that's what they usually look like. Right. Well, they cut theirs double that size. So they were four-by-two. So think about almost like a deck of playing cards, but maybe even a little bit longer. Okay. It was just fabulous. You know, usually with a a rich dessert, I would think to myself, ooh, bigger is not going to be better. But I think because of the way they kind of flipped the ratios here, even though it was bigger, it didn't feel overly rich and decadent. So that's something I might play around with a little bit is, is cutting them bigger and decreasing the amount of custard in that middle layer. I think it's definitely a recipe to keep and to fiddle with because the taste was was so dynamite. Listeners, we'd love to hear if you guys have any tried and true lemon bars recipe. We're happy to try yours out and see how they compared to the Stella Parks recipe as well. Up next this week, we are turning away from bars and going into puddings. Our next bake-along is coconut tapioca pudding with mango and lime. I found this recipe over at the Food and Wine website from Kay Chun. Stefan, is your family a tapioca pudding type of family? Are they going to like this particular dessert, do you think? I'm really, I'm really thinking yes is the answer there. We really love custards and puddings. And I can't remember the last time I actually made a straight just tapioca pudding, but it's something I ate quite a bit as a kid. Yeah. And my challenge will be finding tapioca here. Just a casual look. Oh. Confirmed I can't find the minute tapioca, like which is just everywhere. And I don't even think about it in the States. That's how easy it is to find. Which I obviously did not think about that either because 
This recipe, we debated between using this recipe and that filled cookie recipe, which we ditched that one because it had cream cheese, and we knew you had yep. trouble finding cream cheese. Oh, no, I didn't even think um, that tapioca was something that would be hard to find. Nor did I, but it will be fun. It's always kind of fun to sleuth it out, so I'm looking forward to that. And it also, coconut, tapioca, mango, lime, four of my favorite words. I'm really looking forward to that. Yes. It uses the coconut milk, the unsweetened coconut milk. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be pretty divine. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I am really excited about it. I think it's a great spring dessert. I always feel like puddings are a little bit lighter. And as you know, I love them warm. But of course, I do think this one is designed to be served chilled. And I think um, it's just a, a lovely way to top off a nice spring dinner. I agree. So you're just soaking some milk in a vanilla bean with the tapioca. You're cooking that for a little bit and then making basically a custard for that with the addition of egg yolks and then your coconut milk, a little bit of sugar. And then you're at the same time, you're also making a, a bit of a kind of a chunky puree with the mango and lime zest and lime juice to, to layer into the finished pudding. Mm, it sounds so good. So remember, everyone, we will have a link to both of those recipes. That was the uh, Sunny Lemon Bars from Stella Parks. And this week's Bake Along is the Coconut Tapioca Pudding with Mango and Lime from Kei Chun at Food and Wine. On to a few kitchen hacks that we enjoy using when we're working with our citrus. Last week, we talked about a microplaner or a zester. That is something I use all the time when I am trying to get the zest off of my lemons, my limes, my oranges. I use my microplaner for almost everything in my kitchen. I use it for Parmesan yes. cheese. I use it to grate nutmeg. I, I don't know what I did before I had one of these. I don't either. They seem so ubiquitous now, but there was a time. I use mine for ginger, for garlic. Yes. To the point that I wonder if I should have one for savory and one for sweet. You know, I don't want my lemon zest tasting like garlic necessarily. I don't think it does. Right. But I always kind of have that little pause when I'm <laughs> when I'm doing it. Yeah. I know. They're not the easiest to clean either. So you always kind of wonder what you're leaving behind. Exactly. Yeah. That is so funny, though, when you think about something that I know as a child I never used it. And I don't recall my mother ever having one. But maybe they just chopped into fine, fine, tiny bits. <laughs> they were more patient than we were. I think, too, that professional chefs were using like a, a rasp from the the toolkit before I think you're right. the microplane mm -hmm. became a kitchen utensil, too. So You're right. Yeah. Well, something that I have been using forever are our vintage reamers. And I like the ones that come from Sunkist, so you can find them in the thrift stores. They're usually made out of clear glass, or you can often find them made out of milk glass, which is that sort of cloudy glass. You can find them in white or green or some orange or some yellow ones. Of course, the way a reamer works is that you cut your citrus fruit in half, and then you place it upside down on top of the reamer and twist it and get all of the juice out that way. What I do once I've done that and I have all of the juice in the reamer is I pour it through a sieve as I pour it into whatever dessert I'm using. So that way I, I keep all the seeds yeah. and the pulp behind. Right. Stefan, do you use a reamer as well? You know, my mom had several reamers when I was a kid. And she, my mom has been very much like against plastic implements my whole life. I think she was ahead yes. of her time. And so she loved those glass. But sadly, I have a plastic reamer that kind of sits over the 
the whatever you're going to be juicing it into. Oh, okay. But mm-hmm. then I also have one that's handheld, and I think it's the OXO brand. And you can do it if you want to hold the fruit in one hand, and then you use the reamer, which is just like a utensil in the other. And that can yes. be handy too. Yes. And I've seen lots of people say if you don't have a reamer, two forks works just as well. So you can just sort of slice and dice and jab those forks in there to really get things mixed up and get all of that juice out. And, you know, I've seen, too, where do you have a pair of kitchen tongs like you might use for barbecue or for pan frying, something like that? Yeah. You can put the halved citrus in the end that you would squeeze, not the tong end, and squeeze it together. And sometimes that just gives you a little bit extra leverage and the weight of that utensil, and it can help you squeeze, too. That's a good one. I hadn't heard that particular one. I mentioned my mini sieve, which I use when I'm I'm pouring the – juiced lemon or the juiced lime out. And I also love that mini sieve because I have seen a lot of websites that recommend that you just squeeze lemon juice straight into your hand and let the juice run through your fingers and let the seeds stay in the palm of your hand. I have never been able to do that because I don't know, I must use my hands in a very aggressive way. (laughs) I feel like I always have paper cuts or tiny nicks or that type of thing. And I can't imagine anything worse than squeezing lemon juice through my hand. Is this something you do? I don't. I've heard that too. And it kind of goes along with the tip to squeeze it upside down, which never works mm. for me either because okay. it's kind of the same problem. And it's just like cascading all over my hand. I I either yeah. – it, it, it never feels like it's getting all in there because half of it's all, all over my, my fingers and my hand. And yeah, I don't, I don't use that tip. I don't think I have a real problem with seeds in my things, you know. It's it's never really right. been like a shocking problem to overcome. No. I have um I have just read about a new way to squeeze which I've I've never heard of this before. Tell me if you have. You take the whole fruit and you take small and narrow slits around the top of one end and then you squeeze it out through those slits and people who like this method say the seeds don't come out and also you can put that back in the fridge without it drying out as you might with you know a half a lemon or the other part that you hadn't squeezed have you heard of that have you done that no I haven't and I like that because I do run into the drying out problem yeah with your leftover we eat so much lemon and lime slices in my house that I can usually dice it up and it's it's gone fairly quickly but mm-hmm. I hate wasting I'm gonna have to look into trying that particular way that's a new one for me right I know there is one tool that I covet and I saw it in my mom's drawer last time I was visiting her so I know it's been around for a while I mean you know how my mother is she'll have things for 50 or 60 years <laughs> And I'll, I'll call it a lemon zester. And what it does is it makes these long, thin strands of zest. Yep. So it, it has like these tiny little cutting holes in it that yes. create kind of strips of the peel. Do you have one of those? Have you ever seen one or used it? Yes, we have one. And I think they're <sighs> especially nice for garnishing. So a cocktail, you'll see. It might even oh. be a bar tool That now that I think of it, when you think of just like that twist. I bet that's why my mom has it. And it's just, it gets the very thin strip off, but in these nice, you know, when you curl like curling ribbon on a Christmas package or something, same yes. kind of yes. same kind of shape emerges from the citrus peel and it doesn't get the pith. It's it's not, you wouldn't use this tool to then put this zest into something. It's for a garnish. It's for the visual presentation. They're really fun. It's just fun to have and play around with. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to get one of those. I, c- I can't imagine it would be very expensive for just a, a single item like that. No, no, no. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, you should treat yourself. I will. I will do that. Yes. And, you know, if you don't have any of these tools, I would like to throw out there that in a pinch, you can always just use your regular old vegetable peeler or a knife. And um, just make sure, again, you're only peeling that topmost layer of your citrus fruit. You're not going deep into that white underside or the pith because that's where you get that bitterness that you don't want. One last thing I wanted to tell you, Andrea, that's kind of funny. I I swear I've seen a tip to squeeze through like a muslin bag or something, like a piece of cheesecloth again, yes. right? And yes. so I was searching mm-hmm. citrus bag on the internet, and I got all of these okay. adorable like lemon and lime tote bags. So I'm going to have to treat myself with one of those. <laughs> oh, I love it. So much fun when you do an internet search and you turn up something you didn't intend, but it's actually something useful. I know, and I was so charmed. I wasn't even annoyed I couldn't find this this other thing I was really setting out to find. But anyway. You know, where I've seen people do that is just taking like a little square of cheesecloth or muslin and then putting the half of the citrus fruit in it, pulling up the edges and just twisting them. And that must be what I saw. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you can put that um, into recipes as well. You know, if you want to bake with a lemon or something, you can you can pop it in that way so that you're not getting the seeds all over when you're cooking. Oh, that's really true because cheesecloth is is fine for yeah. that and food safe. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. good tip. Listeners, we would love it. If you've got any other citrus hacks you want to share with us, go ahead and let us know on our Facebook group or uh, send us a message and we would love to hear what you do with citrus in your kitchen. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get this episode onto the cooling rack. Next week, we'll review the coconut tapioca pudding with mango and lime and decide if our grown-up palates are ready to tackle tapioca. Then it's time to say farewell to our beloved lemon and limes and welcome some bright and sunny oranges with an orange polenta cake from Jamie Oliver. Or just Jamie as Andrea knows him. (laughs) Also, for all of you who like a bit of kick with your desserts, we'll be saying goodbye to sugar and hello to some savory bakes. Remember, you can find us in our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at Preheated Pod. If you like our show, please tell a friend and consider ranking and reviewing us on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download our podcasts. It really does help us find and attract new listeners. So until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks so much for listening, and sweet dreams. performed and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.